All right, how we doing tonight? I am excited. Wow, this is some good energy. Y'all seem like ready for the word tonight. I love it. Real quick, who's been having a fun weekend at Hume New England? Show of hands. Make some noise if you've been having fun. I had a great day with y'all. I just have to say that before we get started. I had tons of fun. Uh, I think my favorite part was playing broom hockey. I had never played that before. I suffered a minor injury though. I actually took a broom to the thumb and uh, there was a little bit of blood involved. Uh, so if I have trouble turning the pages of my Bible tonight, uh, that is the explanation for that. Uh, but it was fun. I love hanging out with you guys. Uh, it's been such a special week. I've really enjoyed opening up God's word for you. Um, I've had many of your youth leaders tell me that you guys have been having some uh, just really good discussions and cabin time, so I'm really encouraged by that, and uh, we have a lot more to study. Uh, we're going to continue to work through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm excited to uh, share a really powerful message with you guys tonight. Uh, but as we begin, I wanted to start off by telling you a story about a man from church history. Uh, it's someone you've probably haven't heard of before. His name was Augustine. He lived in the year uh, 354 AD, and he was born in North Africa. And so uh, he has a really powerful story, and you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. Uh, but Augustine, he was someone who was brilliant. He was at the top of his game. He was a scholar. He knew about art and culture of the day. He would go around and speak to different crowds, and he would rally these giant crowds around him that would uh, come to speak. And so he was brilliant. He was at the top of his game. He traveled to cities like Rome, uh, Milan, throughout all of Europe. Uh, people would come to hear him speak. But Augustine, as he was traveling throughout Europe, uh, one time he met a man named Ambrose. And Ambrose introduced Augustine to the gospel message and introduced him to Jesus Christ. And from that moment, everything in Augustine's life changed. Uh, he no longer wanted to uh, tour around Europe talking about art and culture and, and philosophy. He instead turned his life over to Jesus and he moved back to North Africa where he made it his goal to uh, serve the church and, and write deeply and, and thought-provokingly about uh, the Christian message. And so you may be asking yourself, okay, why are we talking about a dude from uh, you know, roughly 1,800 years ago? Uh, you know, what, what is the significance here? Well, there's two reasons I wanted to open our session talking about Augustine tonight. Uh, reason number one, as I said in that story, uh, Augustine was at the top of his game and he left it all to follow Jesus Christ. You know, he kind of reminds me of our tech expert in the video, right? As you hear him talk in his interviews with Brock Sterling, he's talking about how he had all these fame and fortune and, and the company, but he left the company because he realized there was something else out there for him. The story of Augustine also reminds me of the, the story of Solomon, right? Where Solomon acquired all of this wealth and yet he still felt empty. And so Augustine left that lifestyle, left Europe, went back to his hometown to pursue following Jesus. And the second reason I'm sharing this story about Augustine is because there's a, a quote from one of his books that I think is so powerful. It's, it's helped me so much in, in my life and it connects to our theme perfectly this weekend. Augustine wrote this down. It's gonna be on the screen for you. Uh, but he said this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Just read that for a second. Meditate on what he's trying to say there. We have been made for God, 
and our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. I think that's such a powerful quote, right? It pretty much sums up everything we've been trying to talk about so far this weekend. Uh, our hearts are restless when we pursue the things of the world, when we're chasing after you know, the things that the world offers us. Uh, it's only gonna leave us feeling empty. It's gonna feel us uh, just feeling restless. But Augustine, as he says here, we were made to find rest in God. And I think there's a lot of people in this room who are trying to find rest. Can you guys agree with me that life can be pretty exhausting at points, right? You're trying to live up to different people's expectations of you and uh, what the world has to offer. You're trying to keep up with your friends at school. And when you're trying to keep up with the world, it just feels exhausting. But when you turn to the Lord, he is a God of rest. Jesus is where we can find rest. Jesus is the well that will never run dry. And so our big idea for tonight, uh, for session number three, the big idea that I wanted to share with you where we're going is that we were made to be in relationship with God. You know, all weekend we've been talking about things that you uh, weren't created for, right? That's kind of what a lot of Ecclesiastes chapter one and two talks about. It says that you were, you know, not created to pursue the things of the world. You were not created to pursue sin. Here as we look ahead towards chapter three, what we're going to find in our message tonight is that you were made to be in relationship with God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you. you. Oh, come on. That was weak. Turn to the person next to you and say, You. Yeah. Now say, we're made to be in relationship with God. That's good, that's good. I, I like to think of different passages that kind of speak to this idea. One of the ones that comes to mind is Genesis chapter one. If you look at the very first chapter in the Bible, it talks about how God created mankind in his own image. And so we've been created in the image of God. In Psalm 139, it says that we were formed in the womb by God and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. Think about how incredible that is. The God who created everything, right? He designed the, the stars and the sun and the sky. He calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. God who created all that says you have been wonderfully made. We were designed to walk with God Yet so many people have turned their backs on God. And that's why we see so much chaos going on in the world, right? That's why we see violence, people who are unable to get along. Those things aren't from God. Those are because we have turned our backs on God. And so we're going to see what Solomon has to say on this topic. Our, our passage tonight is going to be Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'll, I'll invite you to start turning there now in your Bibles. Uh, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're just going to focus on three verses tonight. It's going to be verses 9 through 11. I know this morning we had uh, 11 verses to cover in chapter 2. Uh, tonight, we're going to keep it to just verses 9 through 11. So I see most of y'all getting there, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, start reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. Solomon starts off by saying this. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So there's a few things I want to talk about there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 
right? If you look back down to the passage, if you look at verse nine, you'll see that Solomon is asking the question, what do workers gain from their toil? He's saying, why do humans work, 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 and work and never feel satisfied? And he goes on to answer that question in verse 11. If you look at verse 11, he says, the answer is because God has written eternity on the human heart. That's one of the things we talked about this morning is that we all have a a God-sized hole in our hearts. That we will never feel fulfilled by this life uh, because God has designed us for something else. We have not been designed uh, for this life under the sun. We are designed to be in relationship with God. And so tonight we're going to cover some tough topics. And so I'm going to need you guys with me for this. And I want to open it up by, by talking about a unique story in the Gospel of John. In, in John chapter 6 where Jesus challenged his disciples to think about some tough topics. And so in John chapter 6, Jesus has just finished uh, feeding the 5,000, right? He performed a miracle. Uh, There were people uh, eating there that day, the fishes and loaves. uh, Jesus multiplied them so that everyone could eat. And ultimately, uh, Jesus was using that miracle to teach the people of that day that he is the bread of life, right? Just as you eat bread and food to sustain yourself, what Jesus wanted to do with that miracle is teach the people that he is the bread of life. So Jesus is ultimately the one who sustains us spiritually. So Jesus is teaching these things to the crowd that day, and a lot of people in the crowd did not like what Jesus had to say. I'm going to put a new verse on the screen, John 6, 60. After Jesus was sharing some very hard truths to his audience that day, It says that on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? So that's John 6, 60. And after that moment, some people actually turned their backs on Christ. You know, they said, Jesus, these things are are too tough for us to wrestle with. I'm going to go try and do life my own way. But that wasn't everyone in the crowd that day. There were people who stepped forward in faith. I want to look to what Peter says in John 6, 68. That's going to be the next verse on the screen. So as Jesus was presenting these difficult teachings in John 6, 68, it says, Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let me say that one more time. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So tonight, as we talk about some difficult realities that are are preached in the Bible, what I want us to do is have the attitude that Peter has in this passage. A lot of people weren't willing to wrestle with the things that Jesus was teaching that day, uh, but Peter stepped forward in faith. He said, Lord, I I don't have it all figured out. I don't know where else to go, but I'm just going to move forward in faith, God, uh, knowing that you have what's best for me, knowing that from your mouth come the words of eternal life. That is what Peter said in that day, and it's what I want us to approach this message with tonight. The attitude, Lord, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to hear from you. I want to place my faith in you. I want to grow closer to you. So tonight, I want to challenge you to move forward in faith. I'm actually going to jump straight into our points here, uh, so we have plenty of time to unpack all three of them. Uh, So point number one that I wanted to share with you tonight is that all of us are seeking rest for our restless hearts. 
You know, this is kind of a summary of some things we've already talked about this weekend. Uh, you know, the things of the world do not satisfy. So let me just ask you some questions in this moment. Are you tired? Yes, a lot of you would answer yes. You know, physically, yes, you're tired. But I want to ask it in a different way. Do you feel spiritually tired at points? Do you feel exhausted by the way the, the world is tending to go? Are you feeling like there's more out there for you? Do you feel like God has called you to something greater? Do you ever struggle to find meaning or purpose in this life? If you're answering yes to these questions, it could be said that you're looking for rest for your restless hearts. And this was the case in my heart. I, I started to share this last night. Uh, in my own personal story, I, I mentioned that the Lord used a winter camp in my life to kind of set me on a new traje trajectory, uh, drawing closer to Jesus. And, and to, so to share a little bit of my testimony and a, a little bit of my story, I was someone who uh, grew up in Massachusetts, right? I went to a public school there, and I was pretty much the only Christian in my high school. Can anyone here relate to that or middle school? You know, when you, it feels like when you go to school, you don't have many Christian friends there. And so I would step into this environment every day and Monday through Friday, and I would just feel the weight of wanting to be like everyone else in my school, right? I felt like if I tried to live for Jesus, people wouldn't think I was cool or wouldn't want to be friends with me. And so I was always struggling with this temptation of feeling like, okay, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I also want people to like me. And so the reality was I was stretching myself in so many different directions. You know, I wanted to, to please church friends and, and parents and all these things. But over here, I had these friends at school that were trying to draw me in a different direction. Let me just tell you, it was exhausting, right? I'm sure a lot of you guys in New York and Massachusetts can relate to a story like that. It's, it's exhausting sometimes trying to, to balance both things. You're, you're trying hard to, to please man as opposed to having a focus on God. But in the Gospel of Matthew, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, this world is hard. It's hard to stand up for your faith. It's, it's hard to be a Christian in our context, in our society today. And it can leave us feeling exhausted, but I want you to lean on Jesus in those moments. Remember that Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Jesus is the rest in those circumstances. We turn to him, look to him, knowing that he is the one who fills our cup. And so as you leave camp in less than 24 hours from now and you're going to step back into the real world and you're going to experience restlessness, you're going to experience points of exhaustion, I want you to leave camp knowing that when you face those circumstances, when you face those challenges, you know where to turn. You turn to God. You turn to Jesus You turn to his word. You turn to the church community that is here with you and be strengthened by that. And know that rest for a restless heart is found in Jesus. Point number two is this. All of us must wrestle with the idea of eternity. 
So we've all got to wrestle with the idea of eternity, right? We kind of hit on this a little bit last night too when we were uh, talking about the rope illustration, right? We had the, the rope on stage that just extended infinitely. You had to imagine that. But then we had the, the tiny piece of rope here that, that represented our, our short, uh, quick time here on this earth. And I want to do a quick mental exercise with you guys for a second to, to try and just uh, picture and imagine how weighty this concept of eternity is. I want you to imagine what life was like back a thousand years ago, right? Someone do the math for me. What year was it a thousand years ago? Ten twenty-four, right? Yeah. All right. I heard someone say it. So a uh, thousand years ago, I want you to picture. Uh, did I do my math wrong? I don't even know. I'm right. Okay. Thank you for validating that. Yeah. So uh, a thousand years ago, I want you to picture what life was like. Right? I want you to picture there was uh, no cell phones, no uh, technology, you didn't have planes to get around. And now think about what life is like now a, a thousand years later. Right? Just how much changes in the span of a thousand years. And so we can picture a thousand years and, and understand that things drastically change, right? So you can kind of picture a thousand years, even then it's still hard. In this moment, I want you to picture eternity. You may be thinking to yourself, Justin, I, I can't even do that, right? It's infinite. It just goes on and on and on. If you multiplied a thousand years times a million, that would equal a billion. So try to picture a billion years, and you, you can't even do that. And so we all have to wrestle with this idea of eternity. And yet our lives go by like this, right? Our lives go by like this. One of the verses we talked about last night was James chapter four, where he says that our life is like a mist. That's it. You see it in one moment, it's gone in the next moment, right? Our lives are like a mist. And so compare that, that you see for a moment, and then it disappears. Compare those droplets of water to the Pacific Ocean. Think about these things, right? These are tough things for us to wrestle with. But here's where I'm going with all of this, right? You're, you're struggling to you know, comprehend this concept, but, but this is all leading us towards a point. There's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, that says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, right? Our lives are here in one moment, and they're gone the next. It is appointed for mankind to die once and after that comes judgment. So there is a day where every single person in this room, we will have to stand before God, our, our maker and our creator and give an account for our lives. And so we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And if God were to ask you the question, why should he let someone like you into heaven? What is it that you would say? What's a good answer? How do we spend eternity with God in heaven? How do we make it? And that's what point three is, is here to address tonight. Our third and final point is this, is that Jesus is the one way to eternal life. Jesus is the one way to eternal life. If you only hear one thing that I say all weekend, you know, perhaps you've you know, been super tired, in this moment, wake up for this point because this is so important. This is what I want you to walk away here knowing tonight. It's that Jesus is the one way to eternal life. You know, there's a lot of people out there who will say that this line of thinking is, is narrow-minded, 
right? There's a lot of people who will say, how could it be that God only gave us one way to, to be in right relationship with God? But here's what I would say to that. A lot of people say it's narrow-minded, but I would say, praise God that he gave us a way, right? Because of our sin, we were deserving of nothing. We are deserving of eternal separation from God. But praise God that he gave us a way. And so I wanna share all of this in just the, the clearest way that I know how. What Jesus said in John 14, six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We serve a holy God, we serve a perfect God. He is our creator, he makes no mistakes, and God created mankind in his own image. And God designed us to be in relationship with him. But like we talked about in this morning session, in, in Genesis chapter three, sin entered into the world, right? Through, through Adam and Eve and their uh, temptation and the eating of the fruit, sin entered into this world. And because of that, we are all now born into sin. And the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Everywhere we look in this life, we see people tearing each other down. We see jealousy. We see violence. We see hatred. And this is not what God designed for the world. This is a result of our sin. And everyone in this room here has committed sin. And that sin means we are deserving of being apart from God. We're not like him. We're not perfect. We're not holy. We've all committed sin. And since God is holy, only holy people can spend eternity with him in heaven. But how do we become holy? Do we try and do a bunch of good deeds hoping that our, our good deeds will cancel out sin? No, the Bible tells us that our, our good deeds are sometimes like filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. And I have an illustration to hopefully help explain this. Imagine I was driving down the road, right? And let's say, just for the sake of this story, I'm going 120 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour speed limit zone. And so, of course, I go, you know, speeding by the cop and he pulls out, he turns his light on and he, he pulls me over, walks over to the window and says, how fast were you going right there? I say, I don't know, you, you tell me, officer. And he says, you were going 120 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour speed limit zone. You were going twice the law, right? You were going twice the amount that you should have been going. The law has been broken. Now imagine with me if I turned to the officer in that moment and I said, don't worry about it. It's all good. I, I volunteered at a homeless shelter last week. What do you think he would say to that? What do you, how do you think he'd look at me? Be like, that's great that you did that, but the law has still been broken, right? Imagine if I said, no, it's okay. I have a can of soup in my backseat that I'm going to bring to a soup kitchen. The officer would say, that's, that's good. That's a, that's a good deed, but the law has still been broken. You're still guilty of breaking the law. So doing a bunch of good stuff isn't gonna fix our situation. It's not gonna fix our right standing before the Lord. We can't just say, okay, I'll leave here and my purpose is that I just wanna be nice to everyone. We need a savior. 
We've been separated from God. You need a savior. So doing a bunch of good things doesn't fix our situation. Many years ago, there was a story in a newspaper that was kind of similar to the situation that I was describing. Uh, Basically, what happened was there was this small town in California uh, that was very strict on their their speed limit there. And so anytime someone was going uh, just a little bit over the speed limit, they would pull that person over and they would uh, find them money. And the town, you know, ended up making a lot of money uh, through this process. And so one day there was a a girl, as the story recalls, uh, she was driving through the town and she was breaking the speed limit. And one thing that was unique about this town was that they didn't just get a ticket in the mail later. Uh, What they had to do when they broke the speed limit in this town was that they went straight down uh, to meet with a judge right away. And the judge would uh, meet with this young lady. She was about 18 years old. And the judge had to ask her to her face that day, "Uh, you've been pulled over for speeding. You broke the law. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? And of course, she had been caught red-handed. They had all the records. And so the woman that day pled guilty. And so once she pled guilty, one of two things had to happen. She either faced a $100 fine or she had to spend one day in jail. But then something amazing happened that day. What the judge did is he stood up from his chair, came around to the other side of the desk, opened up his wallet, and handed a $100 bill to the authorities that day. Everyone in the courtroom was shocked. They're like, what just happened? Right? He, he said that she was guilty, said that she had broken the law, but he came up from around his desk and, and paid the fine. Here's the part where the story starts to make sense. Uh, the judge that day was the girl's father. The judge that day was the girl's father. And so he was in this situation right, where he loved his daughter. You know, loved her probably more than, than anyone else in the world. But at the same time, he was a just judge. And he knew that breaking the law could not go unpunished. And so what did he do in that moment? He stood up and he stood beside her. And he paid the debt that she could not pay herself. And here's where it starts to relate to us. It's, it's very similar in our standing with God. In the same way, we've all broken God's law. When we're asked if we are going to plead guilty or not guilty, We're all going to have to plead guilty. We've all broken the law. But God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the punishment for our sin. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus did on the cross allows us to be forgiven of our sins. That's so powerful. right? The God who created everything would do that for you because he wants to be in relationship with you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible and and one of the most popular verses is John 3.16. I'm sure many of you have known it or or read it before, but I want to read John 3.16 for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loved you so much, he sent his Son to save you. I want you to take a second and and see that verse on the screen and just make it personal for a second. Right where it says the phrase, for God so loved the world, I want you to put your name in that verse right there. For God so loved Justin. For God so loved Gavin. 
For God so loved Christina. For God so loved Kevin. Whatever your name is. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this is a message that requires a response. We respond in repentance and faith, which means that we turn from our old life we kind of make this 180 degree turn, not that we're going to be perfect in our new life, but we pursue Jesus. We no longer want to pursue our sin, but we want to pursue Jesus. And we respond in faith, which means we trust that Jesus is the only one who can save us. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this. But I wanted to provide one more visual to, to hopefully help explain it. Remember, our big idea tonight is that you were created to be in relationship with God. As you'll see this image on the screen, what it shows is that we are on one side. And if it wasn't for the cross of Jesus Christ, there would be a canyon-sized gap between us and God. But the cross made it so that there was no longer that separation. Right? We were dead in our sin. We were separated from the Lord. We had a problem, but, but Jesus stood in the gap. Jesus came down to this earth because he loves you. He willingly went to the cross so that because of what he has done, when you place your faith in him, your relationship with God is restored. And so what I want to do now is give you an opportunity to respond to that message. And in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. You don't have to do it right now. I'll tell you when it's time to do that. But I'm going to ask you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. And as we've talked about, if, if we want to trust in Jesus, it just involves us acknowledging that we're sinners, that we've fallen short, and that we need Jesus to save us. Uh, one last thing, I'm going to have every student in the room uh, close their eyes and bow their head, but I want you to know that uh, your leaders will be looking around. Uh, this shouldn't be intimidating, it should be encouraging, because if you make a decision tonight to follow Jesus, your youth leaders are here because they love you, and they want to serve you, they want to walk along uh, this journey with you, and so if you raise your hand tonight, they, they just want to encourage you. They would love to be able to talk to you about this decision that you made. So in this moment, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their head. And if you've never made the decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior, I just ask you to pray something like this in your own heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done things that have disobeyed your commands. I've lied. I've cheated. I've hated others. I've fallen short. God, tonight I have learned that my sin has separated me from you. My sin has broken our relationship. But tonight, God, I want to turn to you. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to come into my life and wash me clean from my sins. Jesus, I'm placing my trust in you as Savior. I'm done with the old life. I'm done with chasing things that don't matter. Jesus, I want you and the new life. Come into my life and make me new. And now with every head still bowed and eyes still closed, if that's a prayer that you prayed for the first time tonight and you love to uh, just let us know that you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, can I ask you to just raise your hand in this moment? Remember, no one's looking around except your youth leaders. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, we can look up here for a second now. I do want to let you know that we had some people in this room give their life to Jesus tonight. So can we give God a hand clap of praise for that? What the Bible says, what the Bible says is that even when one sinner repents, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. So we get to rejoice with the angels tonight, knowing that uh, new people have been welcomed into the family of God. Uh, But perhaps you're here tonight and you you came into this weekend already a believer in Jesus Christ, as I believe uh, many of you have. I also want to offer a next step for you. In this life, we can be tempted to approach life with uh, two different postures. Posture number one is we approach life tight-fistedly, right? We say, these are my plans. This is what I want to do. This is what I have for my life. This is what I want to pursue. That's posture number one. But the posture I want to encourage for the Christian as we close out tonight's session is this. A humble posture before God. Right? A posture that you're just on your knees and arms wide open saying, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. For the Christian in the room, this is what we're called to do. We're not called to chase after the things in the world. We're not called to chase after the things that seemingly will satisfy us. Remember, sin never satisfies. We're called to approach life in this manner, saying, God, whatever it is that you've laid on my heart, I want you to take me and use me. Use me for your glory. So I'm going to close out our session in prayer one more time. And if you're feeling convicted tonight or or just encouraged uh, by God's word, I would invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the many believers that were able to come on this retreat this weekend. God, I pray that as we've opened up your word, God, that these believers have just been hit with the reminder that the things of this earth are temporary. God, refocus your people on the right things and the right priorities. Refocus us on you so that when we leave this camp this weekend, we are charged up and ready to follow you in this very difficult world. Jesus, give us the strength to live courageously for you. God, I pray that for all the believers in this room tonight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.